like Carrie Bradshaw knows shoes, Dr. Amen knows brains. Guys, this man on Women of Impact is mind-blowing, pun intended. This man has scanned hundreds of thousands of brains around the world and has the most incredible insight on what is normal habits and what actually are brain-damaging habits. He's worked with people like Justin Bieber. He's helped Miley Cyrus get back on track with her anxiety. And so today, we dive deep into female brains and how the emotional parts of our brain puts us at such a greater risk wait for it, of for anxiety, depression, and we are three times more likely to attempt suicide than men. Guys, this guy is just full of so much powerful information about our female brains, how we're more likely to get Alzheimer's, how if we have ADHD, it's going to be harder for us to orgasm, and oh my God, so much more. So now, without further ado, let's just jump in with Dr. Daniel Amen talking about the female brain. And so if this did bring value, please do share it, rate, review, click that follow button, guys. I'd so appreciate it. Now let's dive into the episode. The one thing that people don't know, actually two things that are horrifying, that if you are blessed to live to 85 or older, you have a one in two chance of having dementia or having lost your mind. And so, and the other horrifying um, fact is Alzheimer's disease starts in your brain decades before you have any symptoms. So for example, I diagnosed a woman who was 59 with Alzheimer's disease. Odds are she had negative changes in her twenties. So, so many people never think about their brain until they're 60, 70, 80, and they start dropping words when that's not early, that that in fact can be late. So we need to have a campaign to get kids to love their brain, to get teenagers to love their brain, to get young adults, young mothers to love their brains. Uh, It's just so critical. And the reason to do it when you're in your 20s is your happiness will be better if your brain is better. Mm. Your relationships will be better if your brain is better. So I have a high school course called Brain Thrive by 25. And we studied it in 16 schools. Decreases drug, alcohol, and tobacco use, decreases depression, and improves self-esteem. And we start with this really simple fact. Your brain is involved in everything you do, how you think, how you feel, how you act, how you get along with other people. Your brain, the physical functioning of your brain is involved with every decision that you make. It's the organ of loving, learning, and behaving. And when it works right, you tend to work right. School is easier. Relationships are easier. Having a sense of direction, purpose, all of that is easier when it doesn't work right for whatever reason. Um, you had mold in your home. You have post-COVID, which is very common these days. You had a head injury playing soccer. Um, you're sadder, sicker, poorer, less successful. 
So I got to scan Tony Robbins. Love him. Love his work. And we did a Facebook Live together, and we talked about how he really teaches the software of success. But if the hardware is not working, that stuff's not going to work. That really you have to work on getting the physical functioning of your brain healthy and then program it in that order. I heard you say that people feel, and I'm just going to say women because that's mostly my audience, feel like they get more pushed around when their serotonin level's low. And I was like, hang on a minute. I've got a big audience that talks about confidence. Like a lot of us find it very hard to go after that job, to step up, you know, to the plate, if you will, to um, really set boundaries with people in our lives that may be toxic. And so I'm always talking about the software, right? What to say, how to do it. And then I heard you say, well, if your serotonin's low, then you're actually going to feel more likely to feel like someone's disrespecting you, to feel like someone's pushing you out. And I was like, this is why we need to talk about the brain. So hopefully now people are really paying attention of why it's important. Let's talk about serotonin. What drops serotonin? Birth control pills. And it's like your doctor doesn't tell you. If we start birth control pills, you now have a 40% increased risk of being depressed. And now, doesn't mean you don't use birth control, but it means you know about the vulnerability and maybe supplementing with 5-HTP, which is an amino acid precursor for serotonin would be a good idea. And where do you get those? Is that like a pool form? It's a supplement. A supplement. It's, it's okay, a simple perfect. supplement. So the things that increase serotonin are sunlight, so vitamin D, um, sleeping, melatonin, exercise, because people go, oh, I get an endorphin high. Now you're really getting a serotonin high because tryptophan, so the amino acid tryptophan or the protein tryptophan goes from tryptophan to 5-HTP to serotonin. And tryptophan doesn't compete well to get into the brain because it's a bigger molecule. When you exercise, the other amino acids go into your muscles, leaving decreased competition for tryptophan and you feel happier. So what depletes serotonin? Birth control pills. Being overweight, which is rampant. And so many people get in trouble if they talk about weight issues. Mm. But I publish three studies that show as your weight goes up, the size and function of your brain goes down. So we have to talk about it. I mean, it's like you can't not talk about that. Um, When you feel disrespected, serotonin levels drop. So you have to stop looking at the haters. You have to stop looking at the comments and comparing yourself to other people in a negative way because it's depleting the chemical that makes you happy. God, that's so... I Thank you for laying that out because when you talk about exercise and nutrition and things like that, there's like the big disconnect between, I think, the, the weight issue, right? The, the self-esteem that goes behind the weight and then the what are the impacts it actually has on you. And so just saying, like, look, if we, we just need to be aware right now, right, that if your serotonin is low, this is how you're going to feel. Because to your point, if you're feeling like that, having tools to go to, go out in the sun. Now, look, if you live in a cold place, what are the other things you can do? You can go and exercise. Right, light therapy. So there's like bright light therapy mm. lamps at Brain MD, which is my supplement company. We have, we developed this wonderful bright light therapy lamp 
20 to 30 minutes in the morning. So say you live in Maine or say Minnesota or even California. It's been raining like crazy here. 20 to 30 minutes in the morning in front of the lamp, it improves your mood and memory and will help you sleep better tonight and your energy will be better. And your serotonin levels go up and it's so stinking simple, right? I mean, so much of what I talk about is how do you make this easy? How do you make it free? How do you make it accessible? Mm, that's I love that. And um, so, for, for instance, someone right now, if they were to feel like they, they want to boost their confidence, is that what you would say? Like, go and actually try and boost your serotonin? That would be part of it. And if you want to boost your confidence, you have to be able to manage your mind. So, first, brain healthy. Now you got to program it. And the brain is programmed for negativity. The brain is programmed for anxiety. It's programmed for fear. People wake up and they're like, what awful thing is going to happen today? Because those are the people that survived on the savannah. They like went, okay, there's trouble. And they're always looking for trouble. So many people are living with this undisciplined, negatively programmed mind and it's not hard to reprogram it you just you have to do it consistently whenever you feel sad whenever you feel mad whenever you feel nervous or out of control write down what you're thinking and then just ask yourself whether or not it's true whether or not this is a helpful thought or a hurtful thought and no thoughts come from all sorts of places and they may not even be yours you may have gotten these thoughts from a prior generation. The whole issue of epigenetics and trauma in one generation can get written into your genetic code and affect you. And so I love my mind, but it's a troublemaker. And there's an exercise in the book called Give Your Mind a Name. And I named my mind after my pet raccoon. When I was 16, I had a pet raccoon. I grew up not very far from here. And I loved her. Her name was Hermie. I didn't know she was a girl when I got her. And loved her. But troublemaker, she TP'd my mother's bathroom. She ate all the fish out of my sister's aquarium. She'd leave raccoon poo in my shoes. But that's my mind. It's like always stirring up trouble. And so when I realize my thoughts aren't me, that it's just harming causing trouble, metaphorically, I'll put her in the cage and go, I'm not listening to you. And if you can gain psychological distance from the noise in your head, you suffer way less. So healthy brain, healthy directed mind, mm -hmm. like what do you want? It's one of the exercises in the books called the One Page Miracle. Write it down. Right there is no CEO on the planet that doesn't have a plan, doesn't know what they, what he or she wants, doesn't know, okay, here's the plan. And this is what we're going to do this quarter, right? I mean, that's what a good CEO does. Well, you should have a plan for your life. What do you want for your relationships, your work, your money, your physical, emotional, spiritual health? What do you want? Write it down and then go to this thought. Get me what I want mm. rather than being a victim of your mind, manage it. So if you did that though, and then you wrote like, is this true? Is this really when you put no, there's still a difference between writing the no down and feeling it. So how do you separate the fact from the emotion? 
thoughts create feelings, feelings create behaviors, behaviors create the outcome. Mm. So you got to get your thoughts right. And I love the work of Byron Katie. Do you know her? Love her. And I have a process similar to hers. So you feel bad and you go, I feel really bad about this. And I'm like, okay, so what's the thought that's driving it? Is that true? And you might go, yeah. Is it absolutely true with 100% certainty? No. A lot of people say nice things to me, right? Mm -hmm. How does the thought make me feel anxious, self-loathing, awful? And how would I feel without the thought? Normal, happy. It's the thought that's making you suffer. Mm -hmm. And then you take the original thought and go to the opposite of it. Um, People say nice things about me. Give me an example. If you find one, you probably find two. And if you find two, you can probably find four. Mm -hmm. And the turnaround's really interesting because we'll do it three ways. Opposite self, others, is I loathe myself. Oh, that's true. And so I don't have to loathe myself. And then I meditate on that. And then you go, what do you want? What gets you what you want? And it's this undisciplined mind that is driving Mm -hmm. the epidemic Mm -hmm. of teenage depression. You've spoken about really like the details of there are nuances between the the genders, the male brain and the female brain. And not to generalize, of course, but like right now, women suffer more with anxiety. We suffer more with depression. Um, Why is that? So they're not small nuances. They're big ones. Mm. I published a study on 46,000 scans, one of the world's largest imaging studies ever on gender looking at, so what's the difference? And women have much healthier activity in their prefrontal cortex. So the front third of the brain, um, largest in humans than any other animal by far. It's 30% of the human brain, 11% of the chimpanzee brain, 7% of your dog's brain, um, unless you have a bulldog, mine was only 6%, 3% of the cat's brain, 1% of the mouse's brain. And it's a part of us that makes us human, females significantly more healthy activity in their frontal lobes, which is, and the frontal lobe's called the executive part of the brain. It's the CEO, because it's sort of like the boss at work. It helps mm-hmm. you with forethought and judgment, impulse control, organization, planning, Empathy, learning from the mistakes you make. And who goes to jail? Males, 14 times more than females because their frontal lobes. Because are we're less able active. to assess a danger or the consequence more than a guy? Yes. That's insane. And um, females are off more communicative and they often have language on both sides of their brains, where males, it tends to be more on one side or the other because of empathy. They're also more collaborative and they make good CEOs. Um, but because of the whole issue of family and children, they often are not because their careers get hijacked. Uh, so does that prefrontal lobe, if you're not 
using it for something like that, does it shrink? Like, does it shrink if you don't use it? Every part of your brain you don't use becomes less active over time. Mm -hmm. So you have to use it or you lose it. Mm. Now, the emotional brain, the limbic brain, is also much busier than male brain. And that's what puts them at greater risk for anxiety and depression. Mm. So um, women have about twice the level of anxiety disorders and depression as males. Women also try to kill themselves three times more than males. But males, because of the means they use, are actually three times more effective. Is that part of, do women actually want to commit suicide? Or in those moments, is it a sign of, I'm reaching for help and I don't know what else to do. And so the failure rate is almost like we're doing it. Oh God, I don't want to say deliberately, but like it's more, more of a cry for help than ending our life. But if a guy does it, they're like, no, I actually want to do it. Yeah, I know. I think there is something to that, that often for females, not always, but often it's a cry for help. Mm. Um, as I tell all of my patients, um, this is a permanent solution to a temporary feeling. Because the feeling's going to go away. Um, and But people often think of um, killing themselves when they feel like they're out of options. Mm. And that's part of my job is to help them find other options. But also to let them know if you kill yourself, you've just increased the risk of your children killing themselves 500%. Whoa. So I'm never above using the truth. And a little guilt. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's been very effective for me in, in my practice. It's like, let's, cause when you're depressed, it's like your brain gets in a tunnel mm-hmm. and there's no windows and no doors. And all you see is your hopelessness and your pain. And you don't see the future of, if I do this, how is that going to impact? the people I care about. Wow. And you, I love that you actually said a little bit of guilt. I love how honest you are. Does it actually work more on women than men? Yes. Why is that? Because women respond more. Because they have more empathy. They have uh, a greater connection. Now, that's a generalization. But in my experience, that's also true. Yeah. And then talk to me about ADHD and how it actually manifests with a man and a female. Like I heard, <laughs> I read in your book, I was like, oh my God, that, um, you know, men with ADHD, it typically results in them being, you know, having infidelity and cheating. And for women specifically, it can also, like ADHD can impact like how, how you orgasm. Right. Yeah, that's, that's actually a funny story. But uh, so ADHD <laughs> is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. A lot of people call it ADD or attention deficit disorder. Way more diagnosed in males than females. But I actually think they have it sort of the same. But boys bring negative attention to themselves mm. where girls... People just sort of hope she marries somebody nice, even though that's terrible, but that's true. Almost like, well, when she finds someone, she'll calm down. Is that kind of like the the messaging? You know, the hallmark symptoms for ADD are short attention span, Mm. but not for everything. 
And this is what fools people. It's short attention span for regular routine, everyday things, schoolwork, homework, paperwork, chores, the things that make life work. For things that have their own intrinsic dopamine, because ADD is really a dopamine deficit disorder. So for things that are new, novel, highly stimulating, frightening, people with ADD can pay attention just fine. Mm -hmm. Which is why if you look at their grades, they have an A in one class and C's and D's and everything else because they love the subject or they love the teacher. So short attention span, but not for everything. They're easily distracted. They see too much. They hear too much. They smell too much. They taste too much. It's like the world comes at them too quickly. So they can't block it out as non-ADD people can. They tend to be disorganized for time and space. So if you look at their rooms, their desks, their book bags, they tend to organize by the pile system, pile here, pile there, pile, pile everywhere. Um, they tend to put things off. They procrastinate until someone's angry with them to get it done, either the teacher, their parent, or their spouse. Um, and they can be pretty restless, not always, but often. Um, trouble sitting through a movie and they have impulse control issues. They say things they shouldn't say or do things they shouldn't do. And so people with untreated ADD, males and females, higher incidence of affairs, mm. higher incidence of bankruptcy, higher incidence of divorce, higher incidence of incarceration, higher incidence of substance abuse. It's And people go, oh, I'd never give my ch child medicine. And I'm like, left untreated. Because, you know, whenever you think about medicine, you have to think, what are the side effects of doing it, taking it? And what are the side effects of not taking it? Which, you know, people aren't talking about. And it's sort of like, if you're educated, you would never put your child on medicine. And that's just not an educated thought, right? I mean, I always, in, in, you know, you know from my work. First, do no harm. I use the least toxic, generally non-medicine things first. But if you really have ADD and changing your diet and supplements don't work, I'm totally drugging you, right? Because it's sort of like you need glasses and you change the environment around, but it still doesn't work. You get them the glasses. Otherwise, withholding it is sort of neglect. Yeah. And the brain imaging work I do has helped me see that the brain is an organ, like your heart is an organ, and you would never withhold treatment from the heart. And it's, I tell the story, Justin Bieber has been my patient and I love him. And, um, he came into my office one day and he said, I think I get what you're trying to tell me. My brain is an organ like my heart is an organ. If you told me I had heart problems, I'd do everything you said. Now I'm going to start doing what you say. Mm. And he got much better. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business 
business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That maybe not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. That's so important. So what, what would be maybe the first few things that people can do if they're finding that they can't focus? Um, like what would be some natural things that they could try? Well, you know, I think, and we can frame this whole discussion around three big ideas. So brain health is three things. Brain envy, you got to care about it. Freud was wrong. Penis envy is not the cause <laughs> of anybody's problem. I have not seen it once in 40 years being a psychiatrist. It's, this is the organ. He was two and a half feet too low. I'm like, dude, you're over-focused on the wrong organ. It's the brain. So you have to love it and care about it. And nobody loves their brain. Why? Because you can't see it. You can see the wrinkles in your skin or the fat around your belly, and you can do something when you're unhappy with it, but most people never look at their brain. So when I looked at mine for the first time in 1991, I wasn't happy because I played football in high school, I had meningitis twice as a young mm -hmm. soldier, and I had bad habits. And I fell in love with my brain. And 25 years later, fuller, fatter, healthier. I'm pretty excited about that. You're not stuck. So gotta love it because it takes you through life. Avoid things that hurt it. You need to know the list and then do things that help it. You have mm -hmm. to know the list. Mm -hmm. And so whenever, you know, I had 
ADD. I don't. My brain's much more OCD. It's, but if I had it, I'd make sure I ask this question every day. Is what I'm doing good for my brain or bad for it? And if I can answer that with information and love, love of myself, my mission, my family, and just make better decisions. The things to do, I'd make sure I have enough magnesium and zinc because they both have been found to help people with ADD. I'd make sure I have enough omega-3 fatty acids. I'd make sure I exercise and I would get rid of all the crap in my diet because things like artificial dyes and sweeteners Mm -hmm. can cause more behavior problems in children or adults. So is it better to start eliminating the things that we currently have? Because it's very difficult, I think, for a lot of people to just change their lives completely. And so some people find it way easier to do like one thing at a time. So you literally give 366 things that people can do on a daily basis for their brain. Um, But if they were to, like day one, is it elimination or is it additive? It's that question. That's the mother tiny habit. So there are dozens of tiny habits. The smallest thing you can do today Mm -hmm. that'll make the biggest difference. It's that three-second question. Is this good for my brain Mm -hmm. or bad for it? When my daughter, who's 19, was two, I used to play a game with Chloe called Chloe's Game. And I'm like, is this good for your brain or bad for it? If I'd say blueberries, she'd go, are they organic? Because non-organic blueberries hold more pesticides than almost any fruit. I'm like, of course they're organic. She goes, two thumbs up, God's candy. If I went avocados, she goes, two thumbs up, God's butter. If I said, talking back to your redheaded mother, she'd go, oh, very bad. (laughs) (laughs) So, So it starts there. There's another story early in the book that I just dearly love. Uh about Nancy from Oxford, England. And she's 80 years old. She's obese, depressed, has chronic pain, and thinks her life is over. And then she finds uh, my book, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, in a used bookstore in Oxford for 50 cents. Wow. And lays around the house for a year, she said, but then she's like so tired of be- feeling awful. Mm. She read it, said she was riveted, so that made me happy and wrote down all the things to do. And she's like, way too much. And so just like you said, she's like, I'm gonna do one thing at a time. And she started hydrating. So she started drinking more water. Your body is 70% water. Your brain is 80% water. Any dehydration causes you to have problems thinking. Mm -hmm. And I recommend you drink about half your weight in ounces a day. She was 200 pounds. That's 100 ounces. She said, I got off the couch. I had to pee. (laughs) That's amazing. But she also said, I felt better. It's I felt like I was mobilizing. And being dehydrated increases pain. So her pain is less. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to take supplements. And took multiple vitamins and fish oil because of the omega-3 fatty acids and vitamin D. Brand new study out last week. People who take vitamin D supplements, 40% less risk of Alzheimer's disease. Know your vitamin D level and work to 
optimize it. And you or I have never wanted to be average or normal. We wanted to be our best, mm. right? Until I'm a hundred, I want to be my best. That's why this is so important. Right. And so you love your brain and you do the right thing. And so you want to have high normal, optimal level of vitamin D. So she does that and she feels better. And then she's like, I'm going to go for a walk because she was in less pain with the mm. omega-3 fatty acids. And then she's playing table tennis, the world's best brain game. And she's dancing, not drinking and dancing. If you drink and dance, it ruins the benefit. And she feels better. And then she changes her diet and she feels better. And then she changed her family which I love so much because one of the things to say in the book is you got to get this information and then you have to give it away mm. because it is in the act of giving. You're creating your own support group, making it more likely you'll stay on the program mm. forever. And for her 83rd birthday, she gave herself the present of flying to California to one of my clinics and getting herself scanned. Now, I've seen thousands, maybe tens of thousands of older brains, um, and they don't look good generally. But her brain looks stunning, and she cried when she saw it because she said, I know last year it wouldn't have looked like that. She lost 70 pounds, and she said, I never thought life could be this good. And when she told me her story, I cried because she's the reason I do mm. what I do. But it goes to your point. You don't have to do everything, mm. but get started. And why I wrote the book in the way I did, it's just two to three minutes a day yeah. to read it. And then there's a simple exercise. So if you can give five minutes a day to the health of your brain quickly, mm. it changes. Uh, thank you for that. And um, so you said 40% for... Um, Alzheimer's. I also heard you say, and I can't remember if it was in your book or something else that I read of yours, but um, if even if you have a simple carb diet, um, that it raises your risk by 400% of Alzheimer's? Yeah. So there's a study at the Mayo Clinic where they looked at diet and Alzheimer's risk. And people who were on a fat-based diet, olive oil, nuts and seeds, healthy fish, avocados, um, 42% less risk of getting Alzheimer's disease. People are on a protein-based diet, 21% less mm. risk. But people who are on a simple carbohydrate diet and think bread, pasta, potatoes, rice, fruit juice, sugar, a 400% increased risk. And many scientists are now calling um, Alzheimer's diabetes type three. It's one of the reasons I eat mostly a keto diet because I'm not having a high blood sugar because high blood sugar erodes blood vessels. Mm -hmm. And I'd already said that low blood flow is the number one brain imaging predictor of Alzheimer's disease. And I've often said, you know, whatever's good for your heart is good for your brain because your brain, even though it's only 2% of your body's weight uses 20% of the blood flow and oxygen in your body. It's the most expensive real estate mm. in your body. 
And 2007, I wrote my book, The Brain and Love, and I realized, oh, whatever's good for your heart is good for your brain, is good for your genitals, because it's all about blood flow. Right. And so many guys who go on my program, their loves, love life gets better. Um, do you know 40% of 40-year-old men have erectile dysfunction? 40%? 40%. That's horrifying. And 70% of 70-year-olds have erect. I'm not okay yeah, I know, right? with this. And, you know, it's why on TV all the time you're seeing commercials for Viagra, Levitra, Cialis, um, because we are sick mm. as a society. But there are clear benefits to brain health. There are love benefits to it. Plus, your hair is thicker, not mine, of course. Your nails are stronger and your skin is prettier. In fact, the health of your skin is an outside reflection of the health of your brain. Oh my God. So, um, I don't, have you been to England before? I have. Okay. So have you ever seen the cigarette packets? I don't remember. So the cigarette packets in England, by law, they have to put a photo of, I can't remember what the exact law is, but they have to put a photo of what damage cigarettes can do. And so um, I have someone in my family that smokes, so I'm always seeing these packets. And so every so often there's like a photo of someone like in the hospital bed with like tubes out of their mouth with like they just had like lung operation. And then one day there was one where it was basically wrinkles and it was a woman with wrinkles. And it was like, if you smoke, you get wrinkles. And my sister was like, "Uh uh-oh. And like, she like pushes the cigarettes across. (laughs) And I was like, that's fascinating that most people won't respond to things that are happening internally because you can't see it. But the second you say, hey, do you want to be wrinkles? Do you want to look like like an old bag, like at the age of 60? (laughs) Most women will say no. And so by using the external, and look, I'm not even judging, I'm the same. So by, but it's all about psychology, right? How do you influence someone and in which way? So knowing how powerful the brain is, knowing that because we don't take care of it, partly because we can't see it, how do we entice people to really take this seriously? I love that. I love the erection thing because let's face it, guys are going to pay attention to that. And so even when- And was, their wives will pay attention right, to Right, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but even when I was thinking about females, that was why I asked you about being disrespected because I'm like, what's that thing, Dr. Amy? What's that thing? where we start to pay attention now and actually take it seriously because look how confident you can be if you took care of your brain. Look at what beautiful relationships, look at what success can look like. If you take care of your brain, it's not just about how young do you look. It's not just about your skin. It's not just about, you know, the job or the, you know, the responsibility or how, you know, it's not about that. It's about the internal to then feed the external. Absolutely. And when your brain is healthier, it's just so much easier. Too often, Mm. people engage in behaviors that help them feel good now, but not later. And I want them and teach them to feel good now Mm -hmm. quickly and later. And when it comes to the female brain, what a lot of people don't know is progesterone, one of the major female hormones, um, and progesterone, I think of it as the brain's natural anti-anxiety substance, and it sort of settles you down and you feel less anxious. About 10 years before women go into menopause, so around 40, progesterone levels tend to drop. And all of a sudden, they find themselves more irritable. 
They find that they can't sleep, that they're more anxious. And they go to their family doctor, their OBGYN, and they end up on Ambien to help them sleep and Xanax to calm the anxiety and Lexapro to deal with their mood. And I'm like, why don't you just give them a little progesterone? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a huge fan of measuring your hormones right around day 19 or 20. And if they're low or if they're suboptimal, so maybe not even low, but suboptimal, just a little bit of replacement can help you feel good now and later, as opposed to the drugs you just got put on or marijuana, not good for the brain, um, or alcohol, which is the typical thing. And we've been lied to by the alcohol industry to think alcohol is a health food. That's a lie. And I've been saying this for 30 years because I look at people's brains and alcohol makes your brain look older than you are. And I'm not okay with that. I want my brain to look younger. Um, but last year I wrote a blog titled I Told You So, because the American Cancer Society came out against any alcohol. That was a huge deal because the research is really clear. Any alcohol increases your risk of seven different types of cancer. And cancer is bad, bad for the brain. The level of stress, chemotherapy is bad for the brain, radiation is bad for the brain, anesthesia is bad for the brain. It's just bad for the brain. And so the lie is this is normal, this is healthy, you should have it. In fact, I've been working with the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, I've had 17 public television specials on PBS, and I went to an event, and they're serving alcohol. They're like, oh, yeah, this is, this'll, I'm like, are you insane? I'm like, come on, let us not model devastation. Wow. Um, I, I don't actually drink much alcohol myself. I do smoke weed. So I'd love to talk to you about that. What is it actually doing to your brain? So I published a study on a thousand marijuana users. And then I compared them to non-users. Mm-hmm. Every area of their brain's lower in blood flow. Every area. And then I did a study, the world's largest imaging study on 62,454 scans on how the brain ages. And it's so interesting. When you're a little kid, your brain is super busy, and then it undergoes this wild construction and sort of balances out by the age of 25, and it stays stable until you're about 60, and then it starts to drop off. Mm -hmm. So that's the pattern of aging. And then we looked at what accelerated aging and being schizophrenic, so a very serious psychiatric disorder, your brain is 10 years older. Wow. The second worst thing was marijuana. It prematurely aged the brain. Worse than alcohol, worse than cigarettes. And mm. data's coming out now that it's not innocuous. They actually mm. looked at people who smoke cigarettes versus people who smoked marijuana. And the lungs in the marijuana smokers were more damaged Whoa. than the nicotine users. And so, you know, my question to my patients always is, so why? And what else can we do? Mm. Right? Because I don't want you suffering. 
but I don't want you poisoning your brain. Now, if you're going to do that, well, let's make sure we do everything else right. Because I, I treat NFL players and one of my players signed an $88 million contract. So he is not going to stop playing football. So I'm like, okay, if you're going to do this, we have to do everything else Right. Yeah. And thank you for that. It was one of these questions where I'm like, I don't want to ask it. Obviously, I read your book. And so if I was tense about asking the question, like, which it means I have to ask the question, <laughs> um, because to your point, if everything that we're doing to ourselves is like, if you want to live to be a hundred, then you've got to take care of yourself now. If you want to be healthy at 60, you've got to take care of yourself in your twenties. So thank you for always being very honest. I love how upfront you are about that. Um, and talking about the fact that you said you're a little OCD, what is happening to the brain where, when we have OCD? Because I find a lot of highly successful people have it. So when I say it for me, the front part of my brain is busy. So I'm always thinking, always working, always engaged. If we go to like Hawaii for two weeks, I'm happy as a clam on the beach for about an hour. And then I'm like, okay, I got to take care of my email or I'm working on a book or I mean, and that's just me. I don't generally check locks or count or do sort of typical OCD things. Mm. But I'm driven. This is my 42nd book. So I, I love that. I love being engaged. For people who have ADD, for example, they have sleepy frontal lobes. And so they're often causing trouble to raise their dopamine. And that way they feel engaged. Like there's no way I'm jumping out of a good airplane. <laughs> There's just no way that is not going to happen. That's me, though. I am. I'm jumping out. I'm like, no. Unless, of course, it won't land safely. <laughs> yeah. But is that what's happening? It's just overactive? Because a lot, so I, obviously there's the extreme of people with the switches, right, where it's like you have to switch on and off the light 20 times, otherwise someone yeah. in my life is going to die. What's actually, in fact, let's start there. It's so fascinating. What is happening to someone's brain? Well, is there, well, it's so interesting. Um, usually we see the frontal circuit, um, an area called the basal ganglia, an anterior cingulate, really busy. So it's almost like you got a scratch on that old vinyl record is they just hear the same thing over and over and over again. Um, but one of the most interesting things, and in my series, Scam My Brain, um, we did uh, actor Jason Waller, who failed 14 drug treatment programs. But when you really dig into his history, he had terrible OCD mm -hmm. as, as a child. And there's something called panda syndromes. I don't know if you've ever heard of no. that. It stands for pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders associated with strep. That, you know, a lot of people know you got to get strep throat treated. Otherwise, you can end up with rheumatic heart disease. Well, we found out about 30 years ago that those antibodies to strep can go to the basal ganglia, attack it, flame it, and all of a sudden triggers new onset OCD. And so sometimes OCD can be the result of an infection that has gone untreated.
I had no idea. I know, pretty wild. Huh? Yeah. So if someone, because I actually have someone in my life that is very OCD. Um, he he's able to manage it so that the 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 world doesn't necessarily see it, but I definitely see it. And when he's by himself or around people he's comfortable with, and so it really is a like I wonder how many people kind of are suffering from that sort of extreme OCD where it's starting to run their lives and they almost can't just let go. Like it's almost like a, a type of um, handcuffs, like shackles. Um, what are some things people can do in those situations? Like, and, and uh, in fact, I've noticed it correlates to um, when, when he starts to get depressed. So many people think OCD is related to the serotonin system. Mm. So we'll often use strategies to increase serotonin. But this is a really important point. Whenever you give in to a behavior, you reinforce it. Mm. And so you have to be very careful what you allow your brain to do Mm. because the brain's actually pretty lazy. And so if you give in to counting, to checking, to hand washing, you're going to do it again. And so behavior therapists will prevent them from doing those behaviors, initially the anxiety goes way up and then it goes down. And if you can keep yourself away from those behaviors long enough, you begin to extinguish Mm. them. And um, it's just true with negative thinking. The more you give into it, the more it'll run your life with addictions. The more you give into it, the more it'll run your life... uh, it's fascinating, but thinking of it from a brain science perspective destigmatizes it and gives you these sort of cool strategies to help. What part of the brain is activated as women where we're able to identify um, emotions faster and quicker and more accurately than guys? I heard you say this and I was like, this is fascinating. So it's the underside of the temporal lobes that help you recognize. But what's Interesting about women, their intuition mm. is up and social skill often is up. And it's because the tracks that connect the left and right hemisphere tend to be a bit bigger. So um, men have about 10% more volume in their brain. Women have more white matter. White matter is nerve cell tracks. So think of it, they have more highways. And so they have greater access to the left and right hemisphere. And so my wife will often go, oh, I don't like this person. And I'm like, why? I don't know. But she's often right because she has access to the side of the brain that doesn't have language. So she doesn't know, but it's putting together lots of different pieces of information. Mm. And did that, is that due to like evolution being kind of like, as we were the nurturers, the stay at home, we, we needed to be very aware of what was happening around us? Well, and that's a great thought. When you have a baby, that remodels the brain. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women will say, no, I don't sleep anymore. Um, up at everything, and then they just start nurturing and caring for everybody. But when they go through menopause, they stop that. <laughs> and that's why divorce rates go way up. And do you know, if someone files for a divorce, 
three quarters of the time, it's a woman who's filing for divorce. And she's like, I told you, I told you. And of course, he wasn't paying attention. And that's actually really important to say, because when I heard that, I was like, I feel bad that I kind of judge my husband a little. You know, like, let's face it, a lot of us women, when we got the intuition, you're like, you don't sense it. And you're kind of just like, you know, what's wrong with you? You didn't see that? You didn't see how that person looked at that person? Um, and so this is why I'm, I'm so fascinated about talking about the brain and then the difference between the female and the male, because just your work alone has allowed me to understand my husband better, to help me communicate with him better, because now I literally don't judge him. So like, the joke is, is that, Men go into a cupboard, right? And it's like, I don't see whatever they're trying to look for. Where's the plate? I don't see the plate. And the woman walks over and just like grabs the plate and passes it to him. But knowing that it's actually the brain structure that allows a woman to notice things more than the guy. Now, anytime my husband's like, babe, I can't find it. I never make fun of him. I never even giggle about it. I'm just like, it's all right, babe. I got your back. And I go and find it for him. And so like, I, I find that sort of thing fascinating. Well, and you practice something really important if you want to keep a good marriage is notice what you like way more mm. than what you don't like. So have empathy for their vulnerabilities and notice what you like. It's just there's a, a whole group of days in the book on relationships and uh that one thing, and there's a cool story about why I collect penguins, which is, and, and it's just, we have to train our brain to look for what's right about ourselves, but also with the people we care about. Do you mind sharing that? Because that was so genius when I read it. Well, uh, I have six children, and I've adopted three of them, and the oldest was hard for me. And he was three when I adopted him and just argumentative, oppositional. And I was so devastated because I was like so looking forward to be being a good dad because my dad wasn't a good dad. He was gone all the time and he wasn't a good dad. And, and I'm heartbroken because nothing I do is working with this kid. And I'm a child psychiatry fellow at the time. So I'm just learning how to be a child psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And I go to my supervisor and I'm like, Lois, I feel like a failure. And she said, I want you to spend more time with him. And um, so that weekend, I took him to a place on Hawaii. I was doing my training in Hawaii. They have a place called Sea Life Park, which is sort of like Sea World or Marine World. And I took him to the whale show and that was fun and then the dolphin show and that was cool and the sea lion show and we were having a really good day and at the end of the day he grabbed my shirt and he pulls it and he said i want to see fat freddy i'm like who's fat freddy he's like the penguin dad don't you know anything and that's sort of the quality of our relationship <laughs> and so we found the show it was the last show of the day and this little fat, adorable penguin comes onto the stage, climbs a high dive, the ladder to a high diving board, goes to the end of the board and bounces on it and then jumps in the water. And he gets out of the water and counts with his flipper, jumps through a hoop of fire, um, just blown away. And then at the end of the show, the trainer asked Freddie to go get something. And Freddie went and got it. And he brought it right back. And the world stopped for me. Because in my head, I went, damn, 
I asked this kid to get something for me and he wants to have a discussion and he doesn't want to do it. And I knew he was smarter than the bird. And so I went up to the trainer afterwards and I said, how did you get Freddie to do all these really cool things? And she looked at my son and then she looked at me and she said, I'm like parents. Whenever Freddie does anything like what I want him to do, I notice him. I give him a hug and I give him a fish. And the light went on in my head that even though my son didn't like raw fish, that whenever he did what I wanted him to do, I didn't pay any attention to him because mm. I was like my dad. And I was noticing what was wrong way more than what was right. So I collect penguins as a way to remind myself to notice the good things about the people in my life. Every day I shape the people around me by what I notice. And it just, it helps me so much because with my wife, I mean, I'm very clear with what I want with her. Kind, caring, loving, supportive, passionate relationship. Mm. I want that all the time, but I don't always feel like it. I get rude thoughts in my head. And when I'm smart, when I've slept, when I've had something to eat, when I'm not terribly stressed and don't believe every stupid thing I think, I inhibit those crazy thoughts, right? You just should never say everything you think. <laughs> and if, and when I, I just know that if we're starting to fuss, it's like, are you noticing what you like more than what you don't? Now, both of us are also very assertive. And if we really don't like something, we'll say it. But it's, it's the mindset of shaping people with positivity. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, and in that, on that note, I think it was an interview that I heard you say, and I had to pause because I was like, oh my God, I've got to go deep on this. You said that married men live typically longer than single men. Married women don't typically <laughs> live longer than single women. And in fact, we probably die earlier. And I was like, what are, Dr. Eamon, why? Like, what is happening to our brains where a man will live longer, but a woman actually, a woman actually dies younger? Well, it's clear why men live longer, because she makes him go to the doctor. She yells at him when he's texting while he's driving. I mean, it's like she's the supervisor. And they're taking care of their brood. Mm -hmm. And women live less long because of the chronic stress from the men. I literally, when I heard you say that, I was like, well, what do we do about that? Like, and in fact, actually, what do we do about that? You take care of yourself. You, you know, when you're on a plane and someone says, if the cabin pressure goes down and the masks come down, put yours on first. Mm -hmm. And women don't do that. I have seen they take care of everybody else and they don't take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's a mistake mm -hmm. because if you're not right, trust me, nobody else is going to be right. And so having some time for self care is critical and it's hard. I mean, I've watched this. There's three generations of working women now, and they're tired. Mm -hmm. I mean, the huge benefit of the pandemic was families could reconnect. And I don't know anybody else that's talking about this, mm -hmm. but I certainly, as a psychiatrist, I saw it is for three generations, like here in California, 90% of mothers 
work outside the home. So if you just imagine being the primary caretaker of the children, primary caretaker for the home, and you're also worrying about your husband's health, and um, it's you're just tired. And you have now with social media, the expectation is mm. I should have everything, I should have it all, and, and you're just tired. Mm. And during the pandemic, they didn't have to travel. They could stay home. And for me, I loved it. I, I hated the pandemic. But the fact I have um, my daughter who just turned 16, my adopted niece who was 15, they're always gone Then the pandemic had, they had to spend two-hour dinners with me. And the level of bonding and connection for many families just skyrocketed. Wow. Um, and that was beautiful. But I'm very worried about women mm. because they're just doing so much. And I heard you say that shame actually is really detrimental for your brain. And I think that a lot of women, I mean, we spoke about guilt earlier, but a lot of women, like, you know, obviously this is the space that I'm, I am in and the shame and guilt and things like that really are a big thing that women find hard to battle. And so when I heard you say that shame was bad for the brain, explain that to me. Because it's chronic stress and stress hormones mm. put fat on your belly. So you don't want that. Mm and shrink the hippocampus. And the hippocampus is such an important structure in the brain. So it's on the inside of your temporal lobes, deep in your brain. It's called the hippocampus because that's Greek for seahorse. It's shaped like a seahorse. And every day your hippocampus produces 700 new baby stem cells and stress shrinks them. Marijuana shrinks them. In fact, there's a fun story in the book about Miley Cyrus, who's one of my patients who I adore, who has the number one song in the world, so I'm so proud of her. And the song's Flowers, it's about self-love. But there was the issue with marijuana that everybody knows, and I'm like, you're killing the baby seahorses. And she's like, Dr. Amon, that's so unfair, you know I love animals. <laughs> You used that on purpose then, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I did. And <laughs> I, want, I said, I want you to love your brain mm. way more than Mary Jane. So in, <laughs> as, as we're talking about um, the, the, the male, female, and then like the marriage thing, it really is like the, the relationship part of it. Because when I think about why am I doing it? Like, what do I actually want to take care of my brain? Because I think the why is so important. So it's not just to be able to show up and live out my dream. It really is to be able to live a long time with my husband, the love of my life. I've been able to spend 22 years with him. And now the idea that I can spend another 50, 60 years with him is so exciting to me. But I need to make sure that I don't die early, that I don't get Alzheimer's and forget him. Um, and so as I started to almost dive into more of your world between the difference and like how our brains really function, I've heard you, what was the title? You call it the neuroscience to romance. And so I'd love if you don't mind breaking this down because there's so much um, like reasoning behind why we do things. And when we're talking about um male, female, how we keep connecting with each other versus almost like walking past each other or talking past each other. Your breakdown of the neuroscience to romance was genius. Um, do you mind if you'd break that down for us? Can I take a detour first? Of course, yeah, please. Um, so you're beginning to articulate why you want 
a healthy brain. And I love that. Too often when people go, I can't drink, I can't Mm -hmm. use drugs, Uh, bad food is probably out. Mm -hmm. How can you have any fun? Mm -hmm. And in my high school course, when we do the, the unit on things to avoid, invariably, and it's never a girl, so I think you'll like this. It's always a boy. It's irritating. <laughs> Raises his hand and goes, how can you have any fun? And we play a game with them called who has more fun? Mm-hmm. The kid with the good brain or the kid with the bad brain? Who gets the girl and gets to keep her because he doesn't act like an ass? The kid with the good brain or the kid with the bad brain? Who gets into the college They want to get into who saves the most money, has the most meaning and purpose, does the best at work, the kid with the good brain or the... So Mm. it's very important to change Mm. your mindset away from, I can't do this, I can't do that, to, I get to do this because I'm going to be 69 this year. What do I want? I want energy. And I want memory, and I want clarity, and I want good decisions, and I want connection. And are those things enhanced by a healthy brain or not? And, you know, I told you I have six children. I love them all. But quite honestly, I never want to live with them. I've done that. I never want to be a burden on them or to give up my independence. And I think People should be thinking about that at 40. And many and many do because they're beginning to have to take care of their own parents. Mm-hmm. So if you can shift your mindset away from I can't to, oh, I get to do the right thing because that gets me what I really want, mm-hmm. then you're not going to have a bad attitude about it. So yeah, the why is very important. And I've really processed it. And it really is like the Alzheimer's is A for my husband. And then my grandmother had dementia. And Dr. Amy, it, it becomes really freaking real when you're sitting there with your grandmother who you looked up to since you were a kid and she's just spitting on the floor and swearing. It fucking broke my heart. It broke my heart. And so seeing someone you love do that, where you're like no sign of them. I was just like, fuck I don't want my mum to be like that. I don't want to be like that for my husband, for the people that care about me, for them to see me like that. So my why is very strong, as you can see. An intelligent life is thinking, what's my life going to be like five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? At the end of my life, do I want to be a burden or do I want to be in charge? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing of course, I, know, I it's hard. need to get myself all back to the, sorry, give me a second. <laughs> I'm not used to getting emotional on the show, but that it's, it's very real for me. It is very real. And then because I've seen it in women specifically, that's why it's just so shocking that women do, you know, suffer from Alzheimer's more to your point. It's like, we want to live longer, but in trying to live longer, now we're really doing such a detriment to our brain. So it's like, how do we live longer and take care of ourselves to your point of being there for the people that we love? Yeah. Is this good for my brain or bad for it? Mm-hmm. And if it's not, I mean, even simple things like plastic bottles that they leach 
toxins. And so if on the bottom it's a two, a four, or five, it's much better for you than if it's a one, a three, a six, or a seven. And so I, I think it's, it's just critical to go, whatever I'm putting in my body or on my mm-hmm. body, um, does it serve me? And so bright minds, again, that mnemonic I use, the T is toxins. And we talked a little bit about alcohol and marijuana. Mm. But there are a whole bunch of other toxins. Just in one going through the bright lines, we didn't actually get a chance to go through that. So B is for blood flow, low blood flow, number one brain imaging predictor of Alzheimer's. And in the book, it's like, okay, well, how do you get low blood flow and what do you do about it? Mm -hmm. So like caffeine, nicotine, um, marijuana, being overweight, being sedentary. They all decrease blood flow, any form of heart disease, hypertension. What increases blood flow? Exercise, ginkgo, uh, beets of all things, uh, oregano, rosemary, cinnamon. Um, the R is retirement and aging. The older you get, the more serious you need to be. And that's where I also put, if you're in a job that does not require new learning, you're at higher risk for Alzheimer's mm. disease. So the fact that you're doing this podcast, you're reading, you're learning, you're engaged, you're always making new connections in your brain, that's really good for your brain. People should have a table tennis table. And if you noticed, I didn't. Oh, exciting. I read about how that's like the perfect exercise, right? It's the perfect exercise. So get a coach and get good. Because when you get your eyes and hands and feet all working together while Mm. you think of the spin on the ball, that's great for your brain. And people who play racket sports live longer than everybody else. Uh, People play football live less long than anybody else. the eye is inflammation, which is a universal risk factor for mm. Alzheimer's disease, but also depression and cancer. Um, so what increases inflammation? Low levels of omega-3 fatty acids, which about 98% of the population is suboptimal levels. Wow. How much should we be having then on the daily? At least 1,400 milligrams balanced between EPA and DHA. Okay. Um, Gum disease is a major cause mm. of brain disease. And like, I didn't know that, but I started reading gum disease causes heart disease. Oh, it also causes brain disease. So make sure you're getting your teeth cleaned, you're flossing, you're taking, you don't have gingivitis or periodontal disease. Um, processed foods, you know, the standard American diet. California is now on this new kick to ban, uh, some artificial dyes, and I think that's brilliant. Um, the G is genetics. So you were talking about things you have in your family. Mm. Genes load the gun. It's what we do that pulls the trigger. And so I often think we think about genes the wrong way. Um, there's this one story about two brothers. One was an alcoholic and one wasn't. Um, their father was an alcoholic, and you asked the kid who wasn't, an alcoholic, he's like, why, why don't you drink? He said, because my father is an alcoholic. And when they asked the other one who was an alcoholic, why are you an alcoholic? He said, because my dad's an alcoholic. And I'm like, so one got it wrong. The other one got it right. I have obesity and heart disease in my family. 
but I'm not overweight and I don't have heart disease. Mm. Why? I'm on an obesity heart disease prevention program every single day mm. of my life. So I had dementia in my family. I would be on a dementia prevention program. It's the same thing every day mm. of my life. If I had addiction, two of the kids I adopted, our nieces, their parents have addictions, and I'd drill it in their head. You need to be on an addiction prevention program every day of your life. I actually taught them a new word uh, called scrumiting. Have you heard of that? No. It's a combination of screaming and vomiting. It's what ha- it's what's happening in emergency rooms all over America as marijuana has become legalized. Pe- young people are being poisoned by because the doses of marijuana are ten times stronger than when I was a kid, and the scrumiting is everywhere. Gross. Um, so that's genetics. H is head trauma, a major cause of psychiatric problems that nobody knows about. Your brain is soft about the consistency of soft butter. Your skull is really hard and has sharp bony ridges. Mild traumatic brain injury. It's a major cause of psychiatric problems. Uh, and then T is toxins. And, you know, initially when I started scanning people as the director of a substance abuse treatment program, and I've got, well, those are not healthy brains. But then I'm like, well, mold can do that. Mm -hmm. And heavy metal exposure can do that. And general anesthesia can do that. They don't even put that on the warning for you're signing your life away. This could kill you, but it doesn't tell you anything. It could hurt your brain. And, um, and I like this app called Think Dirty. It, um, lets you scan your personal products. Mm And it'll tell you on a scale of 1 to 10 how quickly they're killing you. Oh, what's it called? Think dirty. Oh, right. And so, for example, I shaved with Barbasol for 50 years. And then I'm like, well, let me scan it. And, you know, 1 is good and 10 is kill you early. It's a 9. And I'm like, oh, no, I like myself way too much than to put toxins on my body that steal my hormones. Because things like parabens and phthalates and uh, bisphenol A, they're hormone disruptors. Mm-hmm. And you want to love your hormones. We'll get to that. And mental health issues. So if a woman has depression, it doubles her risk for Alzheimer's disease. But if a man has depression, it quadruples his risk. It's really interesting. In fact, some people think depression in middle age or older men is a prodrome for dementia. And so, like, we need to take it serious, which is why you should be looking at people's brains. I mean, I mean, that's sort of the big innovation that I created was if you don't look, you don't know, stop lying about it. Um, the second eye is immunity and infections. So low vitamin D levels or having an immune system. People often go, Oh, I have an autoimmune disorder and these are the drugs I'm taking for that. I'm like, why do you have an autoimmune disorder? I was like, Oh, the doctor never told me why. It's like, so why is your body pissed off at you? You know, <laughs> autoimmune means friendly fire. It means your soldiers are rebelling against you and they're trying to hurt you. Why? And often, you know, it's either an infection or a toxin or it's the food you're eating, something. Um, 
And COVID, oh my goodness, there's so much to talk about with the brain and COVID, but post-COVID's real. COVID changes your brain for a lot of people in a negative way. And so learning how to put the inflammation out in your brain is critical. The N is neurohormone disorders. We talked about that from progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, thyroid, cortisol. Um, test your hormones every year and work to optimize them. And you work to optimize them by getting rid of things that kill them. So for example, being overweight takes healthy testosterone and flips it into unhealthy cancer-promoting forms of estrogen. And so that's why being a healthy weight is important. The D is diabetes, being overweight or obese with having high blood sugar. And that's a disaster. It's mostly why I do keto. My blood sugar tends to run high, but when I do keto, not at all. It is just perfectly balanced. Um, and S is sleep. And so that's bright minds. And that's what I've come to realize. You want to keep your brain healthy or rescue it, know which of those risk factors you have and go after mm. them. And if you do that the rest of your life, the odds are you're not getting dementia. Yeah. I want to thank you so much for breaking that down. I think that's really clear for what people need to um, look at. I heard you say that I was like, I've just got to, it's, the, it's, it's a funny quote and I love it. So I wanted to like uh, tell you, um, pretty women make men pretty stupid. <laughs> so, There's research behind that. Uh, why do you think in Las Vegas that they have half naked women serving alcohol? There's a return on investment for that. Because the men are looking at her cleavage, drinking alcohol that drops their frontal lobes. Who's going to win? I mean, the house already has an advantage, and now they have a masterful advantage. So they actually did fMRI studies showing men pictures of pretty and not so pretty women and looked at their frontal lobe function. And with the pretty women, their frontal lobes drop. That's insane. An activity. So it drops when they see a pretty woman, which means that they're more likely to drink alcohol. Is that what you said? And then that. No, they're more likely to make a bad decision. Oh, okay. So Dr. Oz and I, uh, when he had his show, we actually looked at um, what happened when he smoked caffeine. So he's vaping caffeine. And it activated his occipital lobes, which means he could see better, and it dropped his frontal lobe. So I'm like, oh, you're going to see one of the cute interns that worked for you, and you're much more likely to make a bad decision. That's fascinating. (laughs) And so um, you just have to know. Yeah, I call this practical neuroscience. It's the neuroscience somebody should have taught you in school that just helps you live a yeah. better life. No, I love that. But then the question is, if if I see a guy that's very handsome, does the same thing happen to me? No. You're, you're much less likely to make a bad decision. Why is that? Because your frontal lobes don't drop. Oh, oh so it literally but just But your pleasure drop. centers go up. Oh, you're right, like, okay. oh, I like that. But... That's fascinating. <laughs> and, and that's even, even something like that actually helps me understand the other sex. Like, again, it's the 
people may think I'm crazy, but I'm just going to say this is how I think. Oh, now I actually don't mind. Or I get why my husband's going to stare at another woman. It's like, ah, it's his prefrontal lobe. Like, I kind of, like, almost understand that it's part of the brain function and that's just what naturally happens now of course to me there's no excuse for cheating so let me just be abundantly clear but if a guy looks at another woman I don't know like I think a lot of people in um, take that in as an insult to them but now almost just saying but that's how yeah, brains but that's work. a sign of insecurity if they take it as an insult to them that's a wound that they have mm-hmm. I mean the fact that your guy or girl, whoever it is, appreciates someone else. It's like, so what? They're human, right? They saw someone attractive, their brain reacted, and they're like, oh, that's awesome. Um, Now, if they spent the night with her, you totally should be. Unless, and, and I say this to my patients all the time, it's in, if you're in a relationship, what's the agreement? Hmm. If the agreement is we are in an exclusive relationship and you betray that, that's hard to get back because what we saw, especially in the female brain, her hippocampus is larger. She's got memory. My wife will tell you stuff I did 15 years ago. that, And, and I'm like... And that's the hippocampus? It's the hippocampus. But there is something to... I mean, you know, not to go down this rabbit hole, but there really is something to, like... Guys look at younger women all the time. And when I understand why, again, there's no excuse for the action, but at least when I understand why, it becomes very easy for me to accept it. And so when I learned that, I can't remember, you know, but like, yeah, when I learned that and obviously heard your quote, I was like, it's just how his uh, men's brains are structured. So I actually have less, if I'm going to be honest, judgment on it. I'm, I'm just being trying to be as transparent as possible. And less and judgment of- is good. And it probably means his testosterone levels are healthy. Mm-hmm. Now, it's very important to not let his testosterone levels get too high because because a lot of men take testosterone. When they go above the optimal range, people get sexual and they have less empathy. And that's the prescription for mm. divorce because you need empathy. So we're always looking for the optimal level. More is not better with testosterone. Dr. Daniel Amen, this has been so amazing. I literally, I could talk to you for so long. You're such a wealth of knowledge. And even what you've shared today, I really hope helps people like to move forward, to take their brain seriously, and then to get your book. You literally get 366 things that people can do. So where can they find you? Where can they find all your amazing content and your new book? Thank you so much. Uh, book is out, uh, anywhere great books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and they can find me at Amen, like the last word in a prayer, amenclinics.com. Uh, I have 11 clinics around the country where we do our imaging work and help people heal. And then on Instagram at doc, D-O-C underscore Amen, or on TikTok at doc Amen.